Old School. I'm Emily. And I'm Lauren. Uh, welcome. This, uh, this is episode 15, I think. We are jumping ahead of Scooch to, to get current, so we're covering the weeks of May 15th to 31st. People are going to lose sleep over the history of... Uh, oh my God, what happened? April, uh, the end of April. <laughs> what happened in April? <laughs> the latter half of April, tell us, we have to know. So I did want to, speaking of April, can I just say something funny about April 30th? Because I learned this from my friend, Pat. She was telling me, she's older than us. She was telling me that, I can't believe this, but okay, so 1952, April 30th, uh, Mr. Potato Head becomes the first toy to be advertised on TV. You're not going to fucking believe this. The first Mr. Potato Head wasn't a potato head. It was the, it was a kit of attachments you had to use your own potato. <laughs> That's such a weirdest thing you've ever heard. How could you poke them into a real potato? I, I was thick. They must have been like a little pointier, right? Like, and like, I, I my <laughs> guess is that there was probably like bumpkin country kids who did this for fun anyway. Like, they would yeah. decorate a potato, and like some company was like, "Let's do no, this. Let's you know make money off this." Yeah, but they That's like great. BYO potato, like Christmas <laughs> presents ideas. <laughs> For Eileen's birthday, we had a birthday party with uh, like a few kids and it ended up pouring here the day we had it. So we had to like move everything inside, which was like my COVID nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we did a freaking pinata inside. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a disaster. I was like rearranging furniture to get this to happen. There's mirrors broken everywhere. <laughs> like chandelier gets caught. Happy fucking birthday. Now <laughs> clean up my vase. Um, <laughs> so... I, I was trying to think of like games for like four-year-olds and I was like, okay, well we can, I, oh, when I went to the um, party supply store to get balloons, I saw like old school pin and tail and donkey. I was like, boom, getting it. So I got that and stapled that to the freaking wall. Cause that back room's all wood. I just stapled it to the wood wall. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that'll take five seconds. And then, um, which was great. Cause you could tell all the like little kids are like cheating. Like they would go right to the ass of the donkey. Like, like can you see anything? And they're like, no, no. And, like walking yeah, right. right to it, like perfect shot. And then I was like, oh, well, we can do a hot potato. That was always good. Oh yeah. I loved hot potato. So I come in, the kids all get in the circle and I come out with the potato. And one of the dads was like, you're using a real potato. And I'm like, <laughs> why wouldn't you? And I forgot there are like yeah, there's like, like musical timed ones. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm using a real fucking potatoes. These kids play with the real potato. Uh, and I, it's I actually hot. You're holding your oven I, mitts. Well, that's what like, he yeah, said. He's like, stick it in the microwave. I was like, pump the brakes. I'm not going to put it in the microwave. Oh, you didn't take it off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, what's the point of this? Well, we pretended it was hot. They couldn't get caught holding it. So they just oh, okay. threw the potato at oh, each other. Oh, because you hit the music and it, right? Yeah, it's so like whoever told the potato. not literally a hot potato. Well, I think they did potato. use a hot potato back then, right? <laughs> yeah, but the point of it is to play with the music and then the right. music It's like musical chairs, leaf. but less messy. I didn't like... bake the potato. No, <laughs> it was just a potato out of the pantry. <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so imagine st- you came out and like you're you're like a you're like a 1950s housewife and you're holding like you're holding in an actual apron. scalding potato and you're with your <laughs> with oven mitts. Here you go, kids. <laughs> Hold this, mommy needs a lighter cigarette. Burnt when they go home. (laughs) Best party ever. There's Uh, smoke all over the room because everyone's smoking. What year is it? We're not going to these birthday parties anymore. (laughs) Don't go to the Murphys. (laughs) Fucking time warp in there. (laughs) 
Even my fucking ancient mom who was born in like the early 40s had the musical potato when I was a kid. You know, I, I swore I had that musical potato here and I'm looking in the cabinet. I couldn't find it. I was like, I'm using a real fucking potato. <laughs> well, we got potatoes, so. <laughs> oh, that's, fine. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I just thought that was so funny. I didn't even believe her. Like, she's like, it, I'm, look it up. I'm not lying. I'm not messing with you. That's okay. great. So uh, the first date is uh, May 15th. And I have like a doozy for May 15th, for 1951. Do you have anything? This is good because I have um, something to add to the end of this. Okay. So in 1951, the first vaginoplasty was performed on a trans woman. It, it, this was the first ever. It had never been p- performed on a live human before. The doctor was Dr. Um, Harold Gillies, and he was this English doctor who was a pioneer in this area. And he had performed it on, like, cadavers, but he had never performed it on a live person. And the, the trans woman who received the operation, her name was Roberta Cowell. And Dr. Gillies had done a phalloplasty before on a trans man named Lawrence Michael Dillon. He had done that in 1946. Uh, he had to lie and say the reason for it, but it was because this was a trans man. So oh, we, okay. we now know that to be true. I mean, he had to lie and say something like, you know, oh, he, he, w- he had, um, you know, some hormone, uh, chromosomal, chromosomal disorder, and that's why we did it. But, and he had, but he had experience. So that wasn't the first, um, that was the first phalloplasty on a trans man, but not on a, on a living man. It was because uh, he was a war, he, during the war, he was, he performed a lot of surgeries for injured vet- veterans and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Who like, you know, a bomb goes off and everything's damaged. So he he rebuilt and performed phalloplasties on veterans and on people who were born with ambiguous genitalia due to chromosomal disorders. So so this one was a big deal that this woman, Roberta Cowell, got this surgery. And I just want to say that, so both these patients were fascinating people. And they're both famous. They both have Wikipedia articles and everything. Lawrence Michael Dillon, the recipient a first trans man to receive a phalloplasty, wrote a book called Self, A Study in Endocrinology and Ethics, which argued that people should have the right to choose their gender. So this is like amazing in the yeah, 40s. Right? This is crazy. And because, so he was actually, he was like Downton Abbey. Like he had an, he had a period. He was, you know, what's that called? He was like a titled, he was an heir to like a um, baronetcy. It was like a land title. And because of that, there were peerage publications that had like family trees of all the titled families and they didn't have him listed as a, a brother of, of the heir. They had him listed as a sister. Mm. Well, one had him listed as a sister and one of the publications had him listed as a brother, as a, the brother. So had it, you know, correct. And, um, when that publication's editor was interviewed and they were like, why did you, li-, even though he was born female, why did you list him as the, a male heir? which is really important because remember, we know from Down Abbey that the women don't inherit shit. Right. And um, he said, well, because what I care about is what your gender is when you inherit. When you inherit. So, you know, he was, he was a man. So at that, at that point of that publication, he was a man. So, uh, which I thought was kind of forward thinking for this like editor yeah, totally. of some stuffy ass like family tree of like old English family. Like who's even talking about gender? It's bizarre. So, and then the, so the press covered because those publications were like not in agreement, the press was on it. They were like, well, what's going on? Is he, is he, you know, what's, what's that word from like, um, that we don't use anymore? Like, is he like a cross dresser or whatever? You know what I mean? Like they didn't understand. 
he publicly, Dylan publicly stated that, uh, uh, oh, I was born male, but I've been diagnosed with a, a birth defect. That's why I had to have surgery. So it, it, I'm, I was male. I just had to have surgeries. They weren't sex changed. You know, he's trying to let, be like, oh, right. leave me alone, kind of. Uh, he moved away to, he's a fascinating person. He moved away to India to get away from kind of the limelight of this. And he became a Buddhist monk. I mean, it's like wow. really interesting. And unfortunately he died um, rather young. He had chronic health, he had some chronic health problems and he died at the age of 47. And then the woman, the trans woman, Roberta Cowell, before her transition, she was an RAF Royal Air Force pilot in World War II. Uh, and a race car driver. Her plane was shot down. She spent five months as a prisoner in a prisoner of war, German prisoner of war camp. Wow. She lost like 50 pounds there. She began her transition in 1950 by taking estrogen. And she became friends with Dylan after reading his book. And after the, her surgery, she remained a race car driver. She was a business owner. And um, the story of her operation broke in 1954 and became worldwide news. But there was a lot of misunderstanding about what... You know, it's not like today where we, we understand that gender and sexuality aren't the same. You know, they don't overlap. So a lot of people were m mislabeling her in how they covered the story. And the, the most, I think a lot of these, these people that were not understanding it, they were confused because she was a, a woman, she was born a man, but she wasn't like an effeminate man when she, when she was living as a man. She was a race car driver and she was an air, a decorated Air Force pilot. So you know, simple, the simple minds of that time were kind of like, wait a second, you know, right. it's not about sexual, you know, it's not about sexuality. It's about her gender. So unfortunately I, I like actually debated whether I should say this, but she, she, in interviews in the 1970s. So, you know, she's getting on in age. Maybe that's part of it. She, she said some nasty things about people who, who do get the same surgery that she had. She claimed that she had a chromosomal disorder and that's why she had the surgery. And she said that if you don't, have a disorder and you still get the, dis the the surgery, then something's wrong with you. And it was kind That's of kind of shitty, kind of shit all over it. Yeah, she could have been a hero. I'm more of a hero, at least. I mean, she's still like a pioneer, but I don't know. Anyway, so that's kind of a bummer. But so yeah, so this is two really interesting. And that one doc, Doctor Gillies, is the doctor. So this reminded me of, and I, I I had to have brought this random TV movie up to you when we worked together. There was a TV movie that came out in the eighties and I watched it with my mom. So I didn't watch it like when it came out, so, but I was probably, you know, I was living at home when I watched it with my mom and it was like probably on lifetime or something. And it was about this um, military nurse who gets in this horrible car wreck due to a drunk driver and she gets horribly disfigured. Her face is like completely disfigured and it's based on a true story. And she goes in this horrible depression. Her husband leaves her because he can't handle how disfigured she is. And then she ends up getting hooked up with this Air Force surgeon. Um, and his name was James Stallings. He's a real person. And he was convinced he could like do facial reconstruction on her. So he ended up using, and he had to like, he had to jump through hoops with the military to get it all approved. Like he made sure she could keep her benefits with the military and all that stuff to get it all covered. And he ended up using part of her labia to reconstruct her lips. Oh, I've heard of that. Because it's so, like the sensitivity or whatever is like, oh, my God, how weird. Yeah. So um, the TV, <laughs> Armand Asante played the doctor in the, in the TV <laughs> show. And I forget the name of the woman who played the, um, the girl. But just the makeup in the movie is so ridiculous. It almost looked like she was like, she looked like something from Planet of the Apes. Like they just literally put like putty or something like around yeah. this part. 
They didn't um, have the budget for frankly, like decent. And yeah, but she ends up like getting reconstruction and it's beautiful. And then they get, ba- and then they get married and yada, yada, yada. They don't, um, it took her like 20 surgeries to get that done. Oh my God. But I remember watching it with my mom and I don't know if it like broke for a commercial or something. And I might've changed the channel. My mom like came back in the room and she's like, well, what, what happened to old vagina lips? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> So as soon as I'm reading about this vagina place, I flash back to that freaking yeah. um, made for TV movie. But I mean, the whole story is crazy. And he. Um, so uh, what happened? Down, did they put something there or down in her vagina? Because don't you kind of. I don't know if they use like tissue expanders oh, okay. or something or yeah. what they did. But I mean, she didn't come out looking like, you know, Mick Jagger with these like big full lips on her face. I mean, they were, you know, minimal. But, yeah. Uh, but he had to use some of the tissue because yeah. it's the closest mirror to like your. Well, it makes a lot of freaking sense and yeah. like, totally get it. But uh, they say that's the hardest thing to rebuild is is lips. And I remember when I was a like a little pale kid in Southern California, like at camp, uh, one of my camp counselors was like, did you put sunscreen on your lips, too? Did you use like lip balm sunscreen? Because if the, if you get cancer there and they have to remove oh, it, I'm so afraid that's it. It's like Dunzo. I know. I still try to. Cause you think about that too. And I, and I, I mean, I already had skin cancer taken off my face, but I always think about like, even when you use lip balm, it comes off. It like, comes off. Yeah. You take a sip of something yeah. or whatever. And then you yeah. sit on a beach all day. You're not like going to just like dash, yeah. like unless you just don't speak at all and just dash yourself and, you know, cover your entire mouth with it. But I always, yeah, I feel like that's going to be the next spot I'm going to get it on. It's scary. But anyway, that's what it reminded me of. And I think it was a book and I looked that's at pictures amazing. of her and it, I mean, she looked she looked like there was something off a little bit with her face, but I mean, pretty freaking amazing that she wow. got that. Yeah, for it being back, and I think it. I don't know. I guess it was in the seventies when it happened. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some crazy like TV movies from like I have these memories, and then I I like do some research. I'm like, holy shit, it like this existed, and I you know, like did yeah. you ever see that one with um? It's about the family that inherits an island, and the island winds up not being in any country, so they wind up having their own country. No, and it's, it's, um, it's what's her face from, um, uh, sex in the city. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. It's Sarah Jessica Parker. She's like the teen daughter. We were just talking about the other, I was out with my girlfriends and we were talking about, oh my God. Do you remember that made for TV movie Testament? Oh my God. I made Jake watch that with me. That was a movie I rented on Netflix because I saw that as a kid and it, I mean, I was drawing pictures of nuclear bombs hitting families yeah. in preschool. So I, do you remember me telling you that I had a religion teacher that my Catholic school, like the nuns and the teachers that worked there were, I mean, they were like old school Catholic and like a very progress, like they went to marches and they went, you know, and my religion teacher, Mr. Sandejas was a total badass about like, he was, he's been arrested for at nuclear rallies and all this shit. He showed us Testament. I think it was sophomore year in class. (sighs) At least you were a little older when he I saw I mean, it's not, still, that, it's, horrifying. it's not graphic, though, at least. I remember, okay, so if people don't know what Testament is, Google it, because it's about this nuclear, it's a family surviving nuclear war in, you know, the United suburban States. Suburban San Francisco, I think, or suburban yeah. Sacramento. And uh, it's the fallout of this nuclear, like, so they're just dying from radiation, but it's showing how it affects this, this little town. But I remember, like, the kid bleeding from the butt yes. in the bathroom. Yes, the, She had to, like, bury her. It's, like, them burying all the bodies in the... Yeah, it's very sad. You know, I, the, there was, like, a stint of those nu- nuclear war 
uh, movies in the 70s and 80s, you know, some of the worst ones, and we didn't see them because we're American, but some of the worst ones are out of England. England has like two or three that are so dark and fucked up. And Testament, I think, is from the early 80s. Yeah, it was. And uh, it was, they were all, I don't think any of them were really, then there's that one with the guy from, from Third Rock from the Sun. That's an, that's the famous one. That predates Testament. Um, John Lithgow? John Lithgow is in a very famous. I don't know what that is. It's called, it's called The Day After. And it's about, a, it's a university town and it's, um, it's a, a nuclear war is happening. And it's, that's from 83. So it was like a couple years, I think it's a couple years before Testament. That's very famous. That was like a big deal. It was like, again, it, there's, there, you know, it's Cold War. Um, yeah. It was, you know, f- based on the Cold War, Cold War fears, and legitimate fears, but. Yeah. But I mean, there's the freaking, you know, Friday night yeah. TV movie. That this one, this one I just looked up, the one I was talking where they inherit an island. It's, it's called, it was, a, it was an after school special. Uh, remember those? The Almost Royal Family. And it's from 1984. And I, I kind of loved it. It was pretty great. Anyway. So, yeah, TV movies, something else. 1966, so we're still on May 15th. Uh, Beach Boys released the album Pet Sounds, which includes Sloop John B., Wouldn't It Be Nice, and God Only Knows. It, so I didn't know this. They, this album, I, you know, it's kind of, it's famous. It's one of those, like, groundbreaking albums. It was not well-received by both critics and the public, but it's now considered essentially one of the greatest, most influential albums of all time. It was produced, arranged, and almost entirely composed by Brian Wilson. Did you? Did I tell you that he, he lives near my dad? No. Yeah, I feel bad for him. He's, um, I mean, he's fine, but I think he has some mental health problems. Well, did you see that John Cusack movie about him, no. Love and Mercy? Oh, you should watch that. It's so it's, good. Okay. But What's it, it goes, called again? Love and Mercy. Okay. It came out a few years ago, but it's so good, and it dives into, like, his issues. Yeah. He got taken advantage of by, you know, oh, management and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but it, they, it, and it flashes back to him making that record and, you know, that him as a, a young person. And then it comes back and John Cusack plays him as an older adult. Oh, okay. Really no, I'll it's check worth it renting. So he's like, he, I see, used to see him a lot up at, my dad has like a little convenient market up the street from where, you know, where he lives. And he used to come in, he was very nice, but he was kind of sometimes would seem like a little agitated and. Oh, wow. I didn't know he lived that close to your dad. Yeah. So I wanted to just, because I don't really understand like this kind of stuff, so I wanted to read this quote from Wikipedia. Pet Sounds revolutionized the field of music production and the role of producers within the music industry, introduced novel approaches to orchestration, chord voicings, and structural harmonies, and furthered the cultural legitimization of popular music. A greater public appreciation for albums that use synthesizers, the recording studio as an instrument, and the development of psychedelic music and progressive and rock. I think he used like random shit to make the sounds yeah, of that music, like, like you know, like, um, and stuff or whatever those are called. Yeah, like I think, like yeah, like not not just instruments. Like he'd bring in like I don't know, broken glass or yeah. you know, other things to, and then he meld like orchestras with rock music or something. Yeah, he like used that. the wall of sound too and everything. And mm-hmm. um, apparently, you're supposed to like the album is like one project. You're supposed to like listen to it from start to finish. It's not like like we have our favorites. Obviously, they had like the three big hits out of it, mm-hmm. but like you're, it's actually one. It's devised as like almost like almost like a um, symphony or whatever. Okay, and then the only other thing I have for May fifteenth is controversial and probably gonna like have people skip forward. Nineteen eighty six Top Gun premieres. I think I'm the only person on this planet that doesn't like that movie. I just got in a big um, heated discussion with one of my girlfriends about my love for Tom Cruise. <laughs> love that man. 
not as a person. I think he's a Looney Tunes. Yeah. But I <laughs> yeah. think he's, he's a doozy. I think he's such a good actor and Top Gun is not one of my favorites, but I will be first in line to see this new one coming out. I knew you were going to say that. And it's getting a very positive reviews. I love big, like loud, you know, I like action movies. I, you know, but I they're think, not you know, even in a war. I, like there wasn't even a war, war in the first one. First they're, one. they're practice. It's a pissing contest among like guys practicing. That the whole movie was like that. The freaking volleyball scene. It was yeah. just a was ridiculous. <laughs> bunch of dreamboats on the. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking but, uh, of speaking of that volleyball scene and Top Gun, Val Kilmer. Did you he's know in that the he's, new one. he's he's sick? I know he's in the new one though. How is he not talking? I think they altered his voice or something. Obviously, because he can't speak. Because you know what's coming out, and I got goosebumps when I saw the trailer because the trailer. What came Willow out. too? Yes, Willow no, the series. No, you're kidding. I was kidding. It's Willow the series. It's a series. Shut up. My kids just watched Willow and freaking loved it. It looks so fucking good. It looks so. I got goosebumps. It looks Where? so good. On what channel? I was um, kidding when I said Willow too. Oh my god, it's so good. It looks so good. It looks like high budget too. <laughs> you said yes, the series. <laughs> it's uh oh, it's Disney. It's Disney Plus. <gasps> Oh my God, Eileen's gonna crap. She's obsessed with that baby in that movie. So he, I think he can't be in it because I, what does he have? Is it like he cancer? had, he had um, esophageal cancer. cancer. Oh, yeah. My so God. he's got like, you know, the, very sad. Yeah, like the no voice box and I think he had a trach oh. and stuff. So can't they just have a voiceover? I think that's what they did in the, in the new movie. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, so anyway, I, I will see anything Tom Cruise is in and I'm very excited to see the second movie. But it's not because I'm obsessed with the original top. So onward and upward. I, 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 I'll see it. Whatever. I get that the first one's iconic. I just never got the love for it. Uh, very handsome men. You know, I was sad when Goose died. Spoiler alert. Um, okay, so May 17th, do you have anything? I don't really have anything. Okay. May 18th, I have Mount St. Helens erupt. That's crazy. 1980. Somewhere in my life, I have a novelty container of Mount St. Helens ash that my mom gave me. She took my sister to look at colleges in the Pacific Northwest, and she bought that for me. I wonder where it is. Do you think it's fake? It's probably fake, right? <laughs> it's cigarette ash. Did I just take your word for it? <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody's walking around with a chunk of the Berlin Wall in 1989. Like, yeah, right. The odds of that not being like a rock from someone's yard are like slim to none, you know? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Okay. So the volcanic activity, which included ground tremors right near the volcano, started in March of 1980. Small eruptions happen daily, and in April, a one-mile bulge was spotted moving up the side of the mountain. Sounds like a cartoon or something. I shouldn't be laughing. Okay, very serious. <laughs> so this, this bulge spurred evacuations in the area around the mountain, which was sparsely populated. On the morning of May 18th, an enormous landslide occurred and was followed by a large blast that felled millions of trees and vegetation up to 12 miles away. So the blast liquefied that landslide. So this explosion, like, worsened the landslide. So it picked up speed, it traveled down the mountain at 100 miles per hour. It buried a lake and a river. And these mud flows and pyroclastic flows, it just added to the destruction. I mean, they obliterated roads and bridges and parks and thousands of acres of forest. 57 people died in the eruption, along with obviously thousands of animals and millions of fish. But I, I couldn't really get a straight answer on who exactly died in it because they, this was a sparsely populated area. The only, thing, the only notation I saw was that there were some people that did refuse to evacuate. So maybe these were like kind of like. They first, not leaving. Not yeah, budging. and like kind of already chose to live out in the boondocks and weren't about to move. I don't know. Um, so the eruption subsided completely by the following morning. 
and the mountain lost 1,700 feet in the eruption. And then I thought this was like kind of like ominous. It said they were saying that some volcanic activity, including minor eruptions in 05 and 08, and a new bulge has formed. But scientists do not expect an eruption like the one in 1980 anytime soon. What? Maybe a smaller one. Like a bulge has formed on the side of the mountain again. I don't know. It seems a little cocky. No, I'll stay away from any kind of volcano. I wonder if that was like big news over in New Jersey. Like, were your parents watching the news thinking like, there's a fucking volcano erupting in our country? You know what I mean? Because the ash traveled like thousands of miles. So weird. It's crazy. Okay, then I have May 19th, 1977, Smokey and the Band of Premieres. I'm only mentioning that because I actually love that movie. It's a great movie. It's great. Can you get any cuter than Sally Field in that movie? So cute. She's adorable. I have hair envy with her. Yeah, I know. She's so cute. (laughs) Super cute. Okay, 1989, May 19th, Do the Right Thing premieres. I'm surprised you didn't do a deep dive on that one. I know. I just, I don't know why. Sometimes I do the movie premiere and then I decide, can't decide to do it. And then I decide to come back and I forget. That's great. Classic. Uh, you, we were just talking about how much we can't stand uh, <laughs> Anne-Margaret and her yeah. stupid opening scene from uh, Bye Bye Birdie where she's yeah. dancing in front of the camera. And, uh, but we support Rosie Perez. Yeah, but Spike Lee was inspired by that and had Rosie Perez do that in the opening credits of Do the Right Thing. And I think she's fucking awesome. I'd rather watch her dance. Uh-huh. It's a great movie. Okay, 1992. Oh, God. This is a really awesome chapter in American history. <laughs> the this is Hawaii- just crazy. <laughs> you are right. You are far from it. At least I was on another coast. You, okay. North Jersey. I know. I is significantly know. different than South Jersey. Not I would like Jersey. to say that I live in South Jersey. We are almost a Philadelphia suburb. <laughs> you are a Philadelphia suburb. We will like, but it's not like Pennsylvania. So I would not say that I am anything like the creatures in North Jersey. At least it was Long Island, not New Jersey. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I know culturally they have a lot of similarities. <laughs> I'm going to get some hate I'm mail like Jersey for this. Shore. It's yeah, like Jersey yeah. Shore people. That's right. Okay. We're going to lose all of our Jersey uh, listeners. All our upper northeast <laughs> quadrant is going to drop right off. Snooki just unfollowed <laughs> us. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so Long Island, this is what we're talking about. For people who are like, what the fuck are they talking about? Long, <laughs> the Long Island Lolita, Amy Fisher, shoots Mary Jo Buttafuoco in the face. Mary Jo survives. Um, Amy Fisher, ugh, it's such a fucking convoluted telenovela soap opera. But Amy Fisher was... A at the time she was I don't know she said she was sixteen she was sixteen when she met Mary Jo's husband Joey who looks like a walking stereotype with his MC Hammer pants yeah <laughs> what were those called those weird surfer pants skids with his, sk- <laughs> were they skids and he what had a they? and he had like a mullet like a curly haired and mullet. like tank tops and he was like. Kind of, he looked like a cat. His skin was like really orange. He looked like a catcher's mitt. Like <laughs> he way was too- always moist. Yeah, <laughs> too much time. <laughs> like you meatball, Buttafuoco. Um <laughs> Meatball. I, mean, I cannot believe he must have been so charming because she was. He a- shot someone in the face over that guy. Yeah, he was a child. If, I mean, if this she was a she child, missed, she missed her Me Too movement because if this ha- this could not have happened these days, she was right? absolutely a child, and I think that's an important thing for 
everyone today to acknowledge that everyone like, just sexualized her and called her, you know, nasty, filthy things and saw absolutely. her as this home wrecker. And but she was a kid. She was 16 years old. I mean, you, that's this man was he was 35 at the time. 35 years First old. of all, I if you I I would have guessed he was 55. Like I he know, looked like terrible. a terrible <laughs> catcher's mitt. He looked like a catcher's mitt. Too much time in the sun on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Ugh. But it was a t- kind of like a now I guess you can just say now we know. Although at the time I remember thinking this was ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, you know, people need to remember that she should not have shot anyone. Obviously. Truth. Yes. That that being said, I, I mean, this is basically a notch up from grooming, right? I mean, she was 16 when she met him. And yeah, he pumped her with a lot of all those, you know, whatever he was selling her, the bill of goods and yeah. leave his wife, and you know, whatever. Disgusting. And he was a, a rapist. So so initially, and I remember this taking up a lot of time in the news. She she claimed that that Joey was involved in planning and, and executing the thing. And then it, that fell through. There wasn't enough evidence. So Fisher pl- pleaded guilty to first-degree assault and was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison. She served seven years and was granted parole in 99. And her story, it doesn't have a happy ending. I mean, she's kind of continued in the trajectory of a lot of people who are victimized. And she... Uh, she had like a sex tape and, you know, it was just kind of like a, lot, a couple of failed marriages and she did some reality bullshit with Joey again. It just was like sad. So after she was convicted, Joey was indicted on 19 counts of statutory rape, sodomy and endangering the welfare of a child. And he pleaded down. He pleaded guilty to statutory rape and he served four months in prison. So, I mean, at least they went after him, but... Mm-hmm. And it was so it just it was just gross. I mean, I remember all the TV movies about it. Like there was oh my God. a couple different TV movies. Yeah, TV movies. yeah, there were like dueling TV movies. Like yep. which network was going to have more viewers of it? Yep, like Alyssa Milano was in one. Yep, that's right. I remember that one. Played the other one. I want to yeah. say Drew. Is it Drew Barrymore? No, <laughs> there was Casualties of Love. They were both in 1993. Casualties of Love, the Long Island Lolita story, and that starred Alyssa Milano. Okay, and then. The second one, the other one was the Amy Fisher story, also in 1993. We're fucking geniuses. It was Drew Barrymore. Really? Yeah. Huh. I have watched neither. I definitely saw them both. We should have a watch off. We can compare them. I mean, I definitely vividly remember the Alyssa Milano one. I think that was the most like well-known one. Even though Drew Barrymore is a big star, I don't know. I don't, for some reason, I don't know that one as well. I mean, we could devote our next podcast to those two. Just the whole thing. We yeah. should just do a podcast to made for TV movies. That'll yeah. be our spinoff podcast. But no, I love that shit. Okay. So May 20th, I don't have anything. May 21st, 1924, Leopold and Loeb kidnap and kill Bobby Franks. So I just wanted to, I was going to skip this because I don't want to do like too much dark stuff, but I think a lot of people have heard like Leopold and Loeb and they may not know anything right. about it or what that reference is to. Um, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb were wealthy, intelligent college students who decided to commit the perfect crime. They were very arrogant, narcissistic, and they they thought they could get away with it because they were so intelligent. <laughs> Amazing. So they planned the crime for seven months. They selected a uh, 14-year-old Bobby Franks, who was Loeb's second cousin. He knew this boy, by the way. Way to keep it in their family. They hung out at each other's houses and stuff. Uh, he was killed shortly after being lured into a rented car driven by Leopold. Loeb struck him several times on the head. Oh, I should probably have done a content warning. Struck him several times on the head with a chisel, and they dumped Frank's body and attempted to conceal his identity. Again, content warning with acid. Ugh. Oh. They returned home, and Leopold called the Franks, 
to demand a ransom, he sent a note with instructions. They discarded the typewriter they used to write the note in a pond. So during the investigation, Leopold, amazing that people could be so arrogant and so stupid at the same time. Leopold talked freely to reporters and investigators, <laughs> even telling one detective that if he were to commit the murder, he'd kill Bobby Franks because he was a cocky son of a bitch. I mean, what? What's wrong with you? So stupid. Uh, piece of shit, too. So Leopold was quickly linked to where the body was found because he dropped his glasses, his eyeglasses there. He is an evil genius. <laughs> yeah, really. Criminal mastermind there. They were customized glasses. They were very unique. They were very easy to trace back to him. Then they were caught in a lie about their alibi. So they, they said, oh, no, I, I was over there uh, bird watching. That's why I dropped my glasses. And they easily found out that they were lying. <laughs> So they, they also found the typewriter in the pond and they, both the boys pleaded guilty. They were men. They were 18 at the time. They pleaded guilty. Clarence Darrow, the very famous lawyer, defended them. Basically spent like 12 hours begging that they not be put to death because, you know, they pleaded guilty. So, and it was a horrible crime. They were sent, sentenced to life in prison. Loeb was killed in prison about a decade after his sentence. Leopold was fucking paroled in 1958. He even wrote and published an autobiography. Yeah, that's so weird. The fuck? I, I, uh, this is the gloating asshole who also, uh, whatever. God. And then, you know, I'm a Hitchcock dork, and uh, hi there's a Hitch Hitchcock movie called Rope that's based on Leopold. I never Rope. saw Rope. It's good. It's all, like, in one apartment. It's interesting. And I think that's the one with Jimmy, it's a, one of the ones with Jimmy Stewart. I just make that hmm. Yeah, so, pieces of shit. You gotta say, rest in piss. Yeah, rest in piss. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Stewart. He's the investigator in it. Okay. So May 22nd. Oh, God. 1856. Oh, this one's... I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know about this one. This is banana. I learned about this a few years ago, and it was like... I heard the story, and I was like incredulous. I think it's so weird. 1856, May 22nd. Congressman Preston Brooks beats Senator Charles Sumner with a cane on the Senate floor. So in 1854... An act was passed that would have allowed slavery to become legal again in an area of the country, the Kansas Territory, where it had been illegal for 30 years. So this really pissed off, you know, abolitionists, and they, you know, they, it caused a lot of tension between abolitionists and pro-slavery politicians, and also the public. So um, I just want to read the History.com quote because they did a really good job. Uh, on May 19th, Massachusetts Senator Charles Sumner an ardent abolitionist began a two-day speech on the Senate floor in which he decried the crime against Kansas and blasted three of his colleagues by name, one of whom, South Carolina Senator Andrew P. Butler, was elderly, sick, and absent from the proceedings. Butler's cousin, Representative Preston Brooks of South Carolina, who had a history of violence, took, a, took it upon himself to defend the honor of his kin. So on May 26, 1856, this asshole, Preston Brooks, Goes into the Senate floor in Washington, D.C. Still there. <laughs> it's fucking insane. He goes up to Sumner, who's sitting at his Senate desk, which is like old school desks, like stuck to the floor, you know? Like it, they were like bolted to the floor, but they were little. And he was sitting at it. So his legs are under the, the, under the desk. And Brooks beats him with his cane, like a cane, a hardwood cane. Beats him so badly that he had permanent disability from it. And he was, he didn't barely survive. He didn't return to the Senate floor for three months. He only was stopped. He would have kept going. He would have killed this man. He only was stopped when uh, other senators pulled him off of him, pulled him away and, and restrained him. Fucking piece of shit. 
Um, so guess what happened to Senator to Representative Brooks? Did he go to prison? Was he of course was he not executed no. by a mob? Was he canceled? No. He's fucking became a hero in his backward ass <laughs> state. No offense to South Carolina. And he was reelected. I mean, it was so gross. But I am happy to report that um, Representative Representative Brooks died just a year later of the croup. Who dies of the croup? Yeah, adult? well, it was 1856. Like, <laughs> and and uh, he died. He was only 37 years old. And rest in piss, <laughs> you racist piece of shit. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't believe that. Anyway, so that was May 22nd. Uh, May 23rd, I have 1980, The Shining was released. And I wanted to see if you read, you read that, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. To have read that. I read that when I was really, really young. Like I, I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade when I read The Shining. I probably should reread it because it differs a lot from the movie. Did you see Dr. Sleep? Yes. Did you see the extended director's cut? No. It's like significantly longer. Daniel wants me to make sure that you see that. Okay. It's like, I think it's significantly longer, like almost an hour longer. No. And I read Dr. Sleep was great. I really oh, enjoyed you did? that book. And then, uh, so when then the movie came out, I was excited to see it. I was like, oh, this is really good. So and they, good. that seems, and that was more, the book was more, you know, that movie stuck more with the book, which is more yeah. accurate. Then, go, then The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a fucked up movie. Oh my God, though. Oh my God. It was very upsetting. One? The, the, um, Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Well, I told when I, when I, I had read the book and then Jake's very, uh, and it's definitely since we've had kids, like you can't watch any kind of movie where kids are hurt or anything happens with a kid, a kid's in pain or anything like that. Yes. So I warned him. I was like, it's bad. They're going after kids and it's pretty bad in the book. Like I'm sure they're going to touch on it in the movie and they did. And it was really uncomfortable and horrible. Really bad. So that's actually a good content warning for people who haven't seen Dr. Sleep. Like there is some of the worst trauma and, f- and violence against children that I've ever seen. Yeah, because the, 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 the evil people in that are preying on these children. Um, but- yeah, I have similar like tr- things that I can't, like I can't, I can't handle like rape scenes in movies. Oh, yes. Totally. And I'm not a victim or anything, but I, I don't, I, I just don't, I can't, I can't get it out of my head. It doesn't, like it stays in there and it upsets yeah, me for I'm, days. I can't, like I literally cannot handle war any kind of like war by like action scene war things like saving private ryan i was a basket case and walked out of the movie oh, theater yeah. but even like schindler's list like holocaust stuff i am like i couldn't get through schindler's list like it, it makes me like physically sick i can't i get so upset I because it really handle. fucking happens too it's like it's the real <sighs> thing. that stuff is like really really bothers me so the other I thing to- i can't watch is torture so all those like torture horrors i can't i can't watch that yeah I, yeah that those i never got into those movies anyway but yeah that i could yeah i could do without them but yeah there's i mean it's but yeah the, the, i had i definitely had to give that jake that warning when we were going to rent it because i wanted to watch it because of the, i read the book but um oh it's terrible terrible yeah, and then when i saw the movie i was like oh yeah they they went there yeah they did they did and they didn't even really it wasn't even like I thought they were going to pan away or something. <laughs> they did not. Okay. I'll um, definitely check that. Yeah. Them. See if you, you might've seen it. I don't know if, how like difficult it was to, to get access to. I don't know. May 24th, uh, 1989, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade premieres. And I saw that in the theater with my brother. Do you remember movies when you said, like when you were a kid? I saw like, that in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I saw that with my parents and I think some of the neighborhood kids went, I fucking love all those movies. Um, yeah. 
And my brother uh, was just learning, had just like, I mean, he was pretty young. He was born in 75, so he wasn't that. So we, it was just me and him, and I felt like like excited to go with my bro to a movie. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, but that was a good one. That it was, was great. great. I loved it. The second one's stupid. You know, I still. People love to hate the second one, man. Yeah. I mean, I we rented it because um, Marin really likes the first one. She likes Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. So we were like, oh, let's rent the second one. And then I forgot that's like. We fast forwarded through a lot of it because it was like ripping hearts out of chests. And yeah, it's very violent. Kids being abused in that movie too. And I'm yes. like, yeah. so that's <laughs> so, right. It's very dark. It's probably yeah. the darkest one. Yeah. Fast forward that. But the last crusade is like back to like the vibe of the first one. Very and much so. Yeah. Sean Connery's great in it. And he was great in it. Uh huh. It was good. And and Harrison Ford is my all time like. <sighs> he's a dreamboat. He's, he's amazing, and he's. I'm about to mention him again because May 25th, 1977, Star Wars premieres. Yep, and I had a, a freaking cutout of Han Solo in my bedroom, <laughs> like a life size. Oh Where did you get that? You probably sent away for it. Was it in the back of a magazine or something? I don't know where I got that one. I don't know, but it was it was fucking life size, and he was in his like costume, like so. It was like just his like. Oh god, he's so dreamy. He's yeah, he was dreamy. You know, I kind of, this is an unpopular opinion. I, I always found Luke to be kind of annoying. What? That's not pop. I think that's the oh, really? general opinion. I think that's, oh, okay. that's popular opinion. Is yeah. That so I always thought whiny more- little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and Han Solo was just more like fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes he could be a jerk, but he was just like fun. He's and- a badass. Yeah. yeah. He was, he had, you know, he was the um, tough guy of the operation. I mean, Luke did have the force, but he still was a whiny little bitch. Right. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't really do, I should have done more of like a deep dive on this. There are some cool old pictures of people lining up to see it because it was basically a blockbuster from oh, the Oh, well, start. Star Wars, you could have done a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. Coming out. But uh, does uh, does Daniel like any of those? Like, do you guys watch any of those spinoff movies that are on? Like, Disney has a whole slew of them. Yes. Like, Rogue One was great. I know. I sad, love, I'm trying man. to get the girls to agree to watch Rogue One. It was really sad, though. It was sad. I wasn't expecting that. I know. I know. When you when it clicked and you're like, oh. Yeah, I was like, I cried. I mean, the whole thing, it was very sad. Leia gets the information. That was so cool when that comes know. together. Uh, yeah, that was great. I thought that one was awesome. I'm kind of a weirdo. I've liked them all. I mean, I know some people are like, oh, we're up in arms about the about the second one with um, Ray and, you know, whatever. I, don't, I liked them. I don't know. Call me crazy. And one of them I didn't. I one of them we saw in the movie theater. I forget which one that was, but I fell asleep. It was really. Oh, long. really? Yeah. Oh, like that's I, interesting. I felt. I mean, that doesn't doesn't take much with me. Like I, you know, I fell asleep. I was drunk, but I fell asleep at a Chris Rock show. So don't. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> me falling asleep in the movie is engaging how well yeah. the movie is or not. But um, but yeah, Rogue One I thought was great. I love. Yeah, that, that one. one's really good. I, I don't know. I'm not, I guess I'm not picky with like action and this kind this kind of genre. Like I just, just go and I enjoy them and I don't expect like, you know, Schindler's list from them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, they're always a spectacle and fun to see in the movie theater. And- yeah. 1979, May 25th. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Aton a- Pats goes missing. That's the, this is the child that uh-huh. is probably the first most famous kidnapped child on a national level. Certainly there's been children that made the news and everything, but on a, like a national level, he was, it was a huge deal. He was six years old, disappeared walking to his bus stop just a few blocks from his apartment in Soho, Manhattan. And it was the first time ever he had walked to the bus stop alone. And, um, you know, a lot of things were learned from this investigating 
child disappearances. He had gone to he hadn't gone to gotten to school, so he never got on the bus. And his teacher had noticed that he was absent, but she didn't think to to ask the principal to call home or anything like that. So hours and hours and hours went by and his mom waits for him at the bus stop and he and he doesn't come off with all the other kids. Ugh. And she calls the school and they're like, he never showed up. And then so hours have gone by, crucial hours. So two men have confessed in, to participating in some way, separately, not in cahoots, to his disappearance. But they never had enough. They, they tried one guy later, like, you know, 30 years later, and they just didn't have enough evidence, and it was a hung jury. The other guy um, who confessed, they just didn't have enough evidence to even bring him to trial. So, you know, it's presumed that he was probably getting killed the day that he was taken. Like, he was probably did not, you know, he's not alive. Did you see... The movie, I'm like, everything comes back to a movie. Oh my God. I know what you're going to say. Without a trace. That movie in the eighties with Kate Nelligan was based on this. It was like, yes, but it has a happy ending, this. right? Oh, I ball I just got every time I watch that movie, the ending of that movie, when they're driving over that bridge. I know exactly what you're going to say. I was just about to say this. I can't even tell Daniel. I start crying when I told him this part. What? When they're bringing him home. Oh my God. Ball my eyes out. Every single time. Okay. And then when she's walking the fucking dog and she with her groceries and she's standing there and she sees the cop cars and then he says, mom, oh, oh my, my God. God. Every time I watch this movie. And it's, she's been gone a long time. time. Remember, he's oh, been yeah. gone a long time at yeah. that point, like over a year. Oh yeah. She thinks he's dead and everyone's yeah. telling her she's crazy because she's not letting it go and da, 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 da. But anyone who likes a good old eighties movie that will rip yeah. your heart out and then patch it back together again. And that was Judd Hirsch is the in- chief investigator on that. Kate Nelligan was, yeah, she was the mom. And he's especially moved by it because he has a little boy, remember? And he's in the- Yes, the little cur- and his curly little hair. Yeah, he's, he's so cute, seat. like a little he's mini Judd Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> and it, so it's called Without a Trace. And I'm sure you can watch it. Oh, you can. I, I think I rented it again on- um, So I watched that as a kid with my mother. It was another movie that I watched really young. And, and then I think I made friends watch it. I'll watch it anytime I see it on and I cry. I weep. I weep at the end of that movie. Every yeah. That's time. a great, that, that whoever wrote that end scene. I know that. And that so- just, it's just everything when they're coming over the bridge and he's bringing them back into New York city and then the music and the, and oh, it, it's just, it's I know boring. it sounds like we're doing spoilers, but like, this is not, this was not a time when there were unhappy endings in TV movies, guys. Like this, you, yeah. you know, it's, it's the, about the investigation and the drama or whatever. So, yeah. but it is so good without a trace, 1983, Definitely watch it. If you if you haven't seen it, see it. It's so good. I should make I should make Daniel watch that because I <sighs> I do love that. And I I couldn't even tell him that scene. So good. Yeah, you have to make Daniel watch it. Yeah, we gotta watch it. Okay. So and Aton Pats was also one of the first kids on a um, milk carton. Right. So that's he's one of the that was one of the first kids to show up on that. Yeah. So the movie's loosely based on him with the whole walking to school. Yes. The, you know, that whole situation, the way the mom finds out, all that stuff. So, but again, obviously, you know had a different ending. Yeah. But. It's almost like a uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, like mm-hmm, a re yeah. sort of like a reimagining of what should have happened or what mm-hmm. a better way for it to go. So um, May 25th, 1986 hands across America. <laughs> I don't really remember this. Though. I can't believe my family totally like, participated. I don't remember doing it. I don't remember doing it. Was it like a Saturday? We Did you ask your mom? No, it was a Saturday or Sunday. It was a weekend. Do you remember how heavy the PR was? Like, yeah, I can't believe what a big deal they made of this thing. I mean, they, they planned this thing man. for months. 
And it was, I mean, it, and anything to make a song, anything that you oh, could I know. get songs out of it, like freaking, that was the eighties, man. Any kind of fundraiser that you could make a fucking song out of. That song fucking sucks. More money on it. So that was, it was 6.5 million people joined hands. The idea was to make a conti- contiguous, I use that loosely, line of humans across the United States, right? So most people chipped in 10 bucks to like participate, although anyone could do it. They did raise 15 after expenses, and there were a lot of expenses. It raised 15 million for charity, and the target was homelessness and hunger. And it was USA for Africa again. So uh, we are the world people. So, so I did. I did it with my with my mom, and my brother and little sister were with my dad in a different part of the city because my brother had to go to little league, a little league game or a little league practice or something, and so you had to like look up. There was no internet. I don't think people understand. Like, right. People are young. How do they organize these things? You have to look up where you could go. In other words, like where, where can I go to get in the line? And I remember the nearest one to us was right near, unfortunately, where a few years later, Ennis Cosby was killed. It was right, right there. It was the Pulvita Pass, like a big, you know, major street parallel to a freeway. I just remember my mom parking and the giant like Buick and we got out. It was just me and my mom and her kids or whatever. We walked and they, we walked up. There were like volunteers wearing little like outfits, like little vests or t-shirts or whatever. And they just told us, they were like, good, just go ahead and, and introduce yourself and find a spot. And we went up and everyone was kind of, it's kind of those weird events where everyone's like really nice, kind of like neighborly or whatever. Someone, they, they broke their little chain and they were like, come on in. And well, like, I, I mean, remember, think about it. Was it, like, it was kind of yeah, cute. Jerks weren't lining up to hold hands. So I guess it was all just like, if you were there, you weren't like you were there for like the unity of the whole thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and then the other cheese ball thing about it was you mentioned the song was at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 PM Eastern time, uh, like uh, hundreds of radio stations across the country played that song. Like, so I think they like, you know, people had their car stereos on. I vaguely remember that. I mainly remember like walking to it. Participating in this. And it happened in Philly. You could have done it in Philly because I looked at the map and it is, I mean, it's kind of like a shit show. It was like, you know, came down through New York and then it went down to Philly and went all the way to DC. So like Baltimore, DC, and then it went across and it kind of like went loop-de-loop. And then they had celebrities who were kind of like, native to different smaller cities kind of to to boost like participation because i remember like i don't know uh so that they kind of used that and then it went all the way to santa monica like went to the the ocean or whatever we just kind of we said fuck you to hawaii and alaska and we yeah right and then they he references it in that um what was that movie that just came out the horror movie yes us us that was yeah was that whole hands across scary movie very creepy creepy very creepy and when that when I saw that, I was like, like so psyched for it because in my mind, I feel like Hands Across America has kind of been one of those pop culture phenomenons that was such a huge deal at the time and kind of got forgotten. Like you don't really see a lot of people like reminiscing about Hands Across America. It's like you don't see people wearing like retro Hands Across America. No, it's just anything. kind of you know we are the world. Like that that was like a thing. You know, like you, that we yeah. still joke about that and the clips of the the video go viral or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Hands Across America just kind of like. It was a huge deal. It was a blip. And then everybody forgot about it. It was a little weird. I remember like when it was trying to go back to the car, it's like, everyone was kind of like, how long am I supposed to do this? (laughs) 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 How long am I supposed to stay here holding this asshole's hand? (laughs) Like my mom when she looks at the Grand Canyon, like 
All right. My mom's got her Marlboro hanging out. Yeah. Her. She's trying to smoke it without <laughs> no hands. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I participated in that. No, I guess not. I don't even, you know I what? Would, I'm sure I would have a memory of it. My parents did. probably did it because we wanted to. And I, when I say we, I probably mean my little sister and me. My brother, I guarantee, wasn't interested. But yeah, so I totally remember that. Uh, I don't have anything. The only thing I saw, which I thought was interesting, May uh, 29th, 1987, was when John Landis, the director of the Twilight Zone movie. Remember the Twilight Zone movie? There, one of the one of the stories in that movie was the Vic Morrow, the um Yes, the first one, the first story, yeah. In nineteen eighty seven, May 29th was when the director John Landis was found innocent of involuntary manslaughter in the death of Vic Morrow and two child actors. That was crazy. In that movie, there's I don't know how many stories are there in that movie? Three, four? Four, I think. That was like the time travel one, right? Where he was like a racist and then they stuck him in all these different like... He was like, they threw him in different. He gets transported to learn his lesson. Yeah. So in the movie when they were making it, um, it was like the last day of scheduled filming. They were doing all special effects of explosions and there was this low flying helicopter and the pilot lost control and crashed right into this actor and these two child actors. I think the kids were like six or seven. So it was the first time... During a movie where people, you know, some sort of accident where they're trying to like pin it on the directors as like being responsible. So, well, wasn't that, I mean, the guy, they had like a safety tech on who said, you can't go this low. You can't go this low with a, with, with a helicopter. Yeah. It's I think there were safe. a bunch of different, like, you know, red flags and things of things that probably shouldn't have happened. And land. And honestly, I, I kind of think Landis is a jerk anyway. But I think he just was like, It'll, it's going to be fine. It's going to be two seconds and then we're going to cut. It it was apparently very like traumatic for the people who were there. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, they I were think... hit by a, propell- a moving propeller. So <sighs> he was holding them, I think. I think or he had them like around him. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, <sighs> did the helicopter pilot die as well? I don't think so. I, no, think, I think it was just, just those. It was just the three of them. Just terrible. And then, you know, um, Spielberg won't speak to Landis. Like, he's never spoken to him again. Well, he got roped into it, too. Yeah. He was was sued. And he, he like... I think there was a civil suit afterwards. And Spielberg got roped into that. And they ended up settling for some, you know, significant amount of money with the families. But... That's terrible. Can you imagine? My God. And then everybody said, oh, it's a Twilight Zone movie. So, of course, it's cursed. Cursed Or, or you know, like, it's got, like, yeah. Because this, I mean, this unheard of horrible accident happens. And, yeah, that's crazy. That movie's great, though. Do you want to see something really scary? <laughs> it's so good. It's a great movie. And then, did I have anything else? What was that? Oh, that was the 29th. Yeah. And that's it. You can just uh, jump to the rec room. My rec room is pretty short. Series we're watching Better Call Saul. I think we're on second season. Did you do Breaking Bad? Yes, we finished Breaking Bad and the movie. We started watching. Um, we started watching Better Call Saul, and I don't know why we stopped because I did like it. It's slow though. It's not like it's a slow burn. I feel like Breaking Bad started out really slow too. Like I, there was a point in time where I almost stopped watching Breaking Bad, like in that first season. Yeah, I think Better Call Saul is even slower. It's almost like okay. legal drama. It's like it's. I mean, I love it because it's all about the characters that you already know, but you're mm-hmm. you don't know, you know. And then we're watching um, Party Down. Have you ever seen Party Down? It's old, early two thousands. No, I should know that though because it sounds familiar. Adam Scott, uh, Martin Starr, Lizzie Kaplan, Jane Lynch. Megan Mullally's in it. It's funny. The premise is really funny. It's like out of work actors and they work main rent paying work is um, as like a shitty catering company. 
they have to like go to the oh, so it's no, like each episode's a different party. It's pretty funny. And then for movies where we watch that everything everywhere all at once. Was that good? I want to see that. It is really good, but it so is weird. the weirdest movie I have ever seen in my life. It is so weird. I thought it was so weird. I was like, I'm going to hate this movie. As it was like getting going, I was like, I'm going to this I'm going to think this is a stinker. I'm dying to see it. But it winds up being so good. It's so off the wall, but it's so it's so good and like funny and beautiful and sweet and but it is It's got data from Goonies. I know. I love him. Speaking of Indiana Jones too. Yeah, that's right. And he he's is. he's so Temple of Doom. His story's so sad too cuz he basically was like, you know, racism kept him out of Hollywood essentially because yeah, right? he couldn't get cast as anything in any decent role that wasn't like a stereotype. No, I'm dying to see that movie. Yeah, he's great and he's great in it. And he's like, he talked about how like the first day of filming, he showed up and all, all the crew was wearing Goonies t-shirts. Aww. Isn't that sweet? But he's a national treasure. He's a national treasure. And actually, I know his, I know there's, his characters are problematic, but I think Data was like the, a cool ass character. I mean, he's like one of my favorite Goonies. It's amazing. Yeah. And so I don't cool. think it was, had anything to do with him being Asian for being. No, like he's awesome. Dude. He's like a genius. No, he's, he had all his gadgets and everything. Yeah. Saves awesome. everybody's ass numerous times. Yep. Okay. And then we watched both Downton Abbey's. So you had already seen the, the first, first Downton Abbey movie. So we watched that at home and then we timed it and we literally the next day went to the theater and saw the second one because Daniel had not seen the show. So you he binged the show. He binged he the show. Like, yeah. Oh, so I mean, I just rewatched the series again too. I just watched bits of it every morning. Like I have coffee and like I even got mad into it, but um, it's great. <sighs> It's great. And the I loved the second movie. I was like ready for, because remember Sex and the City, the first movie was good and the second one yeah. stunk horribly. I was ready for it to be a, such a stinker, but I was like, I'm just going to love the update. Like, I'm going to treat it like a big ep- new episode. It was so good. I oh, loved it. I can't wait. Okay. I, I cried and oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, you got to watch it and tell me what you think. And then we watched a Netflix documentary, that one called Our Father about the- Oh God, no. Yeah. No. It's not, it's actually not a very good documentary. The story is incredibly bananas, but mm-hmm. the documentary is Wasn't that great anyway. not that well done. I mean, it was fine. It just, you know, the whole thing now is that all these documentaries are, are too, too long. Like either get something to, to talk about or make it a much shorter documentary. So whatever, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a crazy story. It's not a great doc- documentary. We, as a family, binged all the Harry Potter movies. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've and, never seen them. I saw one. I think I saw the first one with my dad. I mean, Jake had never seen any of them. So I had seen like, I think the first three or four and there's like eight of them because they split the last one up into two movies. I didn't know that. So Baron's really into them. So I was like, oh, we'll give it a shot. And then I completely forgot how dark they get. Like by the fourth, third or fourth one, it gets really creepy oh, and dark and scary. I didn't like, know that. You guys, I think you guys would like it. Okay. Um, Jake was totally hooked in. Like he was get the kids in the bath. Let's do this. Come on. Let's, <laughs> That's awesome. let's put this on. We'd let the kids stay up late. And then like, if they weren't paying attention, I could tell he was getting frustrated when they were not paying attention. He'd like, back it up so we can That's get saying a lot because if he hadn't seen a single one and was not, he has nothing no, to gain. Like, he was hooked. He was hooked from the beginning. So, and you and read them. Did better. you read them? I read the first story. Okay. So I think it's the third. So the first one's good. The second one's good, but it's, it really starts gets better. Getting, okay. Yes. Like I love third and fourth one. They're just 
and then it just gets better and better. So, and it kept getting scarier and scarier. And I really? kept waiting for the no kids idea. to be like, like even the baby watched them. Like, I mean, oh, they wow. probably, they, she probably, they missed a lot of it because there's a lot of stuff going on, but they were totally into it. Like oh, cool. we watched all of them. So great. That we don't know what to do with ourselves now. Cause we just, you know, literally watched seven. Eight, yeah. Eight movies. So we did all that, but they're good. I mean, it's, they're fun um, to watch. I haven't read anything. No shows. Oh yes. Candy on Hulu. We started watching candy. Jessica Beale, it's a true story. Yeah. Murder, true story where the woman has an affair with her friend's husband and ends up um, killing her, basically killing the friend. Is this a spoiler? No, that's like the okay. <laughs> first episode. You're in okay. it. Jessica Beale's really good in it. I mean, I I did watch her in The Sinner. Did you watch that? Yes. That's, uh-huh. She was really good in that. Yeah, I thought she was I good. I had no opinions about her really as an actress. I mean, I find her annoying because she's married to Justin Timberlake, who I find totally annoying. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, so she's really good. At this. We haven't gotten through the whole thing, but so far that's pretty good. And yeah, that was Harry Potter. It's been pretty much Harry Potter every night. That's cool. All right. So that's all we got. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Friendly reminder, again, to rate, review, and subscribe. Sorry to sound like a broken record. Follow us on Instagram, Old School the Podcast. And you can email us at oldschoolpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back in, I don't know, next month. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye.